good morning, afternoon, evening, late night, whatever it is, because, hey, you're doing this on your own time. <laughs> that's you're what we downloading love about, this. That's what we love about the Stampeder podcast. You yeah. know, you can, you can listen to us 24-7, 365 days of the year. You can go back to last year's podcast. Hey, bottom line is we love to talk football. We are everywhere. And uh, who are we? I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. And this is the Calgary Stampeder podcast, another edition thereof. Jock, uh, coming off of the bye week here, Calgary Stampeder's getting back to work after that week one loss to Ottawa. Dave Dickinson not happy with the way his team played at all, and frankly, nor should he have been. No. I mean, obviously there were some concerns going into this season. Obviously we knew it was going to be a bit of a work in process, uh, in progress, but uh, still disappointing losing the Red Blacks the way they did. I know the general feeling is, hey, it's only one game. Let's let's not jump off a bridge. Let's not, you know, say this, the team is doomed and, you know, not going to go anywhere this year. But I tell you what, there are legitimate concerns with this football club, and, and there are, because when you lose 12 starters, you know, from your Grey Cup championship mm-hmm. team, whether it's through the NFL, whether it's through retirement, whether it's with players signing with other teams, there is going to be change. And we knew it was going to take a little bit of time for this team to gel. That's why... I think week number three is going to be a very interesting week for the Calgary Stampeders. You've got the BC Lions in. They have the same issues. They have no running game. Their offensive line is not very good, yeah. and their defense is a mess as well. And, and Mike Riley shaved his beard off. Well, exactly right. And so, it's and, that so bad. and so the bottom line is, here's the Calgary Stampeders. They lost both ends of the trenches, you know, with mm-hmm. the offensive line and the defensive line against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So what's going to give this weekend? Uh, this is going to be a very, very interesting game because both teams, I think, are going to be very, very motivated. Now, we knew that the Calgary Stampede defensive line was going to be an issue. You can't lose guys like uh, Jagarid Davis and, and Micah Johnson nope. and Floa Arimalade and not be a little bit thin. But to get pushed around the way they were in week one against Ottawa, not exactly known for having a real dangerous right. offensive line, that's problematic. And you, you lose Junior Turner with a season-ending injury. Uh, Esamura Bure, he was banged up by the end of the game. They had ba- barely four guys that could stand. And they were exhausted at the end of the game. That made such a huge difference. Uh, the play where Dominic Davis goes in for what proved to be the game-winning touchdown, Cordero Law was trying to run him down, and he had absolutely nothing in the tank. So you go out, you get uh, a Jabbar Westerman, a veteran who was available on the free agent market. Uh, you're trying to spool up some of your draft choices from this year to create some competition. But uh, simply put, Brett Monson has to get more somehow out of that line. And, and let's not forget, Mike Riley may be the best-running quarterback in the Canadian football. Football league. Yes. He is certainly the toughest quarterback in the Canadian Football League because he just got punished by the Edmonton Eskimos in Edmonton, and yet, like the Energizer Bunny, he just keeps going and going and going. So I, I think that's going to be very interesting. We know the Lions don't have much of a running game, so that could be a godsend for the Calgary Stampeder defensive line, Dave, as you talk about. But uh, I, Mike Riley still scares me because Mike Riley has had some very good games against this Calgary Stampeder team, and that's when the yeah. Stampeders, you know, were working on all cylinders. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Mike Riley can still take a hit, but, again, he just keeps adding a year to his age yeah. every season yeah. that he plays. And at some point, it's going to be it's going to be one hit too many. You don't want to see it with, uh, with Mike Riley, but... Uh, Time, as they say, is undefeated. The other concern for me, and this wasn't supposed to be a problem coming in, was that Stampeder offensive line Mm -hmm. and the fact that they just couldn't get any push on uh, the Red Blacks defense and were unable to spring Don Jackson because, again, when you've got problems on defense, 
you know, you win by keeping your offense on the field. And the Stampeders, it was embarrassing that time of possession stat at the end of the game. Well, I think it's twofold. You know, yeah. the running game, which was non-existent, and we know how much Dave Dickinson likes to run the ball. He likes to have about a 50-50 split. You know, maybe not completely 50-50, 40-60, but he likes to establish the running game. But as he said on Sports Talk with Jock when I did my weekly uh, coaches show with him, he said, bottom line is, I, I just, w- I wasn't working. And if it's not working, I'm just not going to go there and put my team in a second and long situation every single time. So I understand that. That's why they had to go to the air attack. And guess what? Bo Levi Mitchell wasn't uh, clicking. And so you talk about the offensive line. And you're right. I didn't think it was going to be an issue with the three Americans on there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't They didn't open the holes for the run. And they certainly didn't protect Bo Levi Mitchell. Because uh, I'll say this. The number of years that you and I have been watching this team, I've never seen Bo Levi Mitchell have as much pressure as he did from that Ottawa defense. He was he was at times running for his life, and, and he got hit a lot. And he had some good throws out there, but he was also missing some receivers. Again, he changes was. in he the was. receiving core. They've got to work on But some, is that from uh, pressure or is that from Bo just forcing? Yeah. I think a little, uh, a little bit of both. Bo trying to force balls and uh, you know just having to uh, run for his life agree. a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, two things uh, that weren't issues. Uh, the defensive secondary, you know, when you pick uh, four balls and one of them for a touchdown and you still lose the game, that tells you your secondary is not really a problem. And uh, special teams, again, yeah. looking, uh, looking like a strength uh, with the kick of Rob Baver. Well, and, and again, you've got the one rookie on the offensive line, and that mm-hmm. is and that is Ryan Sevier, the first-round draft pick from 2018, and he has to be a little bit better. But, you know, you expect more from Derek Dennis. You expect more from Ucombre Williams. You expect more from Nila Cassitati because these guys Bergman. are veterans. Yeah. yeah, Shane Bergman. These guys are the veterans. These guys, you know, have been there before. I, I think the Calgary Stampede D, uh, offensive line is going to be better this weekend against uh, the BC Lions, but, uh, but we'll certainly see because I think what's quite clear right now in the Canadian Football League, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, we're only seven games in. We're only heading into week three, but right now I've got four teams that are, are you know, uh, ahead of the class, mm-hmm. you know, Winnipeg, Hamilton, Ottawa, and Edmonton. And then you've got these other teams, you know, Calgary, Saskatchewan, BC, Montreal, and Toronto. They all have some big warts. So we're, we're going to see, but again, we, we might get a better indication of where exactly Winnipeg and Edmonton and Hamilton and Ottawa are this week. You can't call week three a, a must-win game, but no. when you look at uh, when you look at both of these teams, the Stampeders, week one loss and some concerns. BC Lions, zero and two. It uh, it starts to be uh, you know a little bit a little bit of nervy times if you do lose mm-hmm. this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with Devon Claybrooks. I want to find out just what the transition to uh, head coaching has been like for him. You know, how do you learn to communicate with the other side of the ball when you've been a defensive guy uh, all of your life? You know, what is it like just being the overseer? As yeah. opposed to the guy that's in the that's in the room every day, how is he? How is he making that adjustment? Well, and and again, we've always said Devon is the defensive genius, and yet mm-hmm. he's got a defensive coordinator that has a lot more experience than Devon Claybrooks and yeah. Rich Stubler. So that's interesting. That's the, the guy he learned defense from, exactly. And 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 what's really interesting is there's the most experience right there on that D, on the, on that BC Lions coaching staff with the, with the Stubes, but the rest of that uh, that coaching staff is pretty young and pretty inexperienced. Yeah, and so a very important game. Uh, certainly not going to call it a must win game for either team because you still got a whole lot of season you want to call your shot to go to win uh <laughs> you're thinking you're you're not confident i want to be i want to be more confident than i am yes. jock 
I, I, I think it's a coin flip. I really do. Yeah, yeah, 50-50 game. It's, yeah. you know, the, uh, again, see how the stamps come off uh, come off the bye week. They're traditionally very good off yes. the bye week, but uh, the, the, the Lions have had that extra week of on-field action just to try to work out some of the lumps, and there are very many lumps. Yes, no, and it, it's it's so true, Dave, and, and I think, you know, again, I, I don't want to say it's a must-win game, but, boy, from a confidence perspective, you start the season 0-2. When was the last time we saw that happen with this football club, you know, especially when you're hosting the Grey Cup Championship game in November, Grey Cup 107. Um, you get off to an 0-2 start, and now, 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 you're, now you're fighting. Now you're fighting to get back into the playoff picture. You know, you have to be a really bad team not to make the playoffs in the Canadian Football League, and I don't think the Calgary Stampeders are a bad team, uh, but they're a team that, that does need some work. I want to go off in a little bit of a different direction here and look at some of the other early season stories in the league. Boy, I tell you, I wasn't expecting uh, to say this. But last week, I watched uh, the Ottawa-Saskatchewan game. That was that was the game of the year so far. <laughs> Going back and forth, you know, we were wondering where are the points going to come from for uh, for Craig Dickinson and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and they were uh, running up the offense. And, you know, the Ottawa Redblacks again. Dominic Davis uh, is turning into a, a real feel good story uh, in the early going here. Those two teams are are, are I think uh, pleasant surprises. Well, you, you're you're going to remember my preseason power rankings when oh, I yeah. had the Saskatchewan Rough Riders ranked number two in my in my power rankings, and I did because I thought they had this vaunted defense. I really thought this defense was going to carry this team. That defense yeah. sucks. Ottawa drops 41 on them. <laughs> 44 on them, actually. Yeah. They dropped 44 on them. So it's like, where is this defense? And and Cody Fajardo looked pretty damn good. You know, mm-hmm. so he, he got the offense going. And if you score 41 points in the Canadian Football League, you expect to win. Uh, but yeah, you know, Micah Johnson, he he looks like a shadow of himself. Is he missing Devon Claybrooks? You know, what, what what's happening with that Saskatchewan defense? Because that defense, you know, we talk about Cal Calgary's defense, uh, you know, we can talk probably about Toronto's defense giving up a whole whack of points too, but I expected more from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and, and, and Saskatchewan without their number one quarterback, you know, can F- Cody Fajardo do it again in, in back-to-back weeks? Time will tell. Uh, they, You know, I, I feel bad for Craig Dickinson. He's one of the nice guys in the Canadian Football League. Uh, right now, that team's got some huge issues. Yeah, Craig Dickinson uh, is, again, he's a guy that we just, uh, we just love. Got to wish well for yeah. him, but uh, right now, I just wonder. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that team could be a little more entertaining uh, than we thought. But, again, they are now no wins and uh, two losses. Although they do have Toronto this weekend. Yeah, yeah <laughs> on Canada Day. What's, so. Yeah, what's that smell? Oh, it's <laughs> yes. it's the Argos. I was man, I was I was hugely disappointed about the about that because again, just you know, preseason is preseason. But like I, I said to you guys going into this, like I had a little bit of a feeling about the Argos, and apparently uh, the old sixth sense uh, not working oh. too well because they were just just horrid, just it, horrid in all three phases. You know, I, I I do a little feature called Sports Geek of the Day on Sports Talk with Jock, as you know, and and when you stink it up at home. And you are honoring one of the greatest quarterbacks in Canadian Football League history, yeah. Ricky Ray, and you're trying to establish a fan base in your mm-hmm. city. It's 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 a it's a good you know the, the fans that come out. I, I think they're good they're football fans. They're doing a lot of things yes. right in Toronto, just in terms but, of you know how they're marketing the team and how they're trying to build a fan when base. When you're only getting five or six thousand, and then you lay that stinker on your fans oh, at yeah. home to kick off the season. How does how does that get people excited about your football club? How do you rebound from that? Yeah. And you know you're looking for you know any kind of good news. Uh, around that team, and they have to do something. 
in the, you know in the short term here. They have to rebound and you know show that this is not going to be the Argos team all year long. I, I had Glenn Suter on Sports Talk with Jock as I do twice a week, our CFL insider, and he made a really interesting comment to me on Tuesday night. He basically said he didn't think the Toronto Argonauts were in shape. And and I'm going wow that here we are yeah. week number one for them because this was their first game of the season mm-hmm. you know they they had training camp they they obviously had time to prepare for this game yeah, I mean this day and age that just shouldn't happen no exactly yeah. and so you know wow if that if that's the comment that you know our CFL insider is mm-hmm. making is that a reflection on the coach Corey Chamberlain is that a reflection on the organization like I expect more from Jim Pop I expect more from the Toronto Argonauts so I I don't know if that is the case because I'm not close enough to it but that's a, that's a pretty damning statement from our CFL insider Montreal Alouettes again a small sample size as they were on the buy as well mm-hmm. in week two uh, looked a little better than expected in week one the ongoing ownership crisis i mean we're hearing it's one group and then it's another group does this in your mind does that need to be resolved quickly or you know or does the fact that the league is controlling the team you know, taking the, the day-to-day pressure off, you know, is, is that enough uh, just to keep that in the background? Well, I, I think because the league is involved, it, it does take some of the pressure off the players because they know they're going to get a paycheck. They, they know the team is not going to fold tomorrow. Uh, you know, they're going to make the next uh, next week and they're going to make the next paycheck. But, you know, anytime there's there's owner uncertainty hanging over your organization, I don't care what sport you are, uh, th- that's that's got a way in the back of your mind. So... Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do there, but, uh, yeah, it, it's something I think the league has got to resolve sooner rather than later. Speaking of league involvement, of course, uh, we were all over the Simone Lawrence uh, case last week where, you know, he yeah. uh, got the, the two-game suspension and, of course, appealed, and the appeal's not going to be heard until early in July, uh, as I understand, so he gets to keep uh, going until uh, and, until that is heard. But then Randy Abrosi, the commissioner, very publicly issues a statement and issues it Oh. You know, on league letterhead. So this is basically the league is speaking and not Randy Ambrosi speaking as an individual. Uh, I mean, I, I got to admit, I like the message where he condemns the PA for coming down on the side of the offender rather than on, you know, their injured brother. I like the message, too, but it was the wrong message at the wrong time. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, sh- shame on Randy, shame on the league. You got to keep that stuff in-house. And, and if you can't keep it in-house, then you, you look you look almost amateurish. And, 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 and you know, I, I have no problem with what the CFLPA did the next day, coming out with their own memo, mm-hmm. you know, saying, hey, you know, we, we tried to negotiate this. We tried to, you know, uh, go down the route that the NFL is doing, tried to make it more transparent, and the league said no. So now the league comes back looking worse. And, 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 and some of the critics on Twitter basically came out and said, well, if the league is so damn serious about, you know, player safety, why wasn't Simone Lawrence kicked out of that football game? And I, I can't argue with that point. I, I really can't because he should have been kicked out of that game. And even the league admits he should have been kicked out of that game. So I, I just, I just think it's a real bad look for the league. I, I agree with what you say. I, I think it's the right message. Mm-hmm. We all agree with the message. Just the wrong, uh, the wrong, the, <laughs> the wrong platform. The wrong forum, wrong yeah, platform. It, yeah. it was just the terrible platform. And you, you got to keep that in, in house. And, and that's something that can be, you know, even though the CBA is done, signed, mm-hmm. sealed, delivered. Uh, the two sides should get together and and streamline this process and 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 make it right. But don't do it in the public. Do it behind closed doors because I do believe Brian Ramsey and Randy Ambrosi can do the right thing for the league because we shouldn't have this situation where Simone Lawrence can play, you know, act like a goofball, you know, uh, celebrating sacks and all that kind of stuff when he shouldn't be playing. 
Exactly. That's all the time we have uh, for this week. We'll Already. drop in another. That's, I know time flies when you're having fun. We'll drop in another edition of the Calgary Stampeder podcast next Thursday. Matter of fact, we drop one every Thursday. So keep up to date with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love it if you could take the time out to uh, give us a rating. Tell us what you think about the show. Drop us a story idea if you would like to do that. We uh, want to get you involved in the Calgary Stampeder podcast. I'm going to be a homer. Stamps win this weekend. Okay, there you go. You got it here. <laughs> Stamps win. Beat the BC Lions. The Bond and the Lions fall to uh, 0 and 3. Hey, catch us up, uh, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. So we're right here for you. This has been the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. Thanks so much for listening.